0: Hey, thanks for checking us out online. We're in week four of our series called Stronger. If you've been touched by this message or any other of our ministries at City Point, you can email us at hello at citypoint.cc. Or if you'd love to partner with us in reaching Washington County, you can do so by going to online at citypoint.cc and clicking the Give tab. Hey, we hope you enjoy this message called Stronger in Christ. All right. Well, hey, let's do what we always do. I'm glad to be here. How about you? Give me some love. Hey, great. (laughs) Fired up to be here. Thanks so much. My name is Tony. If I haven't met you, again, I'm thrilled, thrilled, thrilled that you've decided to come and be with us on a Sunday morning. Um, Hey, welcome. Welcome to this place. We are in the last week of a series that we're calling Stronger. And if you can imagine this, we're actually on the last weekend of January. I mean, isn't it just nuts how, you know, just 2017, it's off to the races. It's been crazy. But thanks again for being here. Um, hey, we, we've done a lot of things in this series so far. We've had a lot of fun. Um, we actually, uh, last weekend, had a guest speaker. His name was Sai. He's from the Bridge Church and uh, just one of my mentors. He's one of, to be quite honest, he's one of my bosses. And uh, he came and he kind of showed us how to get stronger in faith. And uh, his story in life, he's had a lot of experiences where this was tested and where he has been strengthened in his faith. Well, we launched the series with two kind of different messages that were stronger in character and stronger in courage. Stronger in character and stronger in courage. And if I can just sum those up one more time for you, I think I'd sum them up this way. In order to get stronger in courage, or the reason why we have to get stronger in courage, is really for this one question. I'll put it on the screen here. What does God want me to do? I think there's some things, if you remember, if you were here for that one, I drew two big circles, and one had an H here, and one had a T here, and there was an arrow, and I said, in order to move from here to there, you gotta get stronger and courage. You just have to. But the real question around that whole message would be boiled down to this. What does God want me to do? Because there's a lot of times in life where he's where he asks you, he prompts you to make a step of faith, he prompts you to be courageous in an area, and you just got to ask the question, hey God, what is the very thing that you're asking me to do? It could quite possibly be to join a life group. You could go, I don't know if I should, you know, I'm a little nervous, I'd have to meet somebody new. I mean, Pastor Tony's group is called Weird, I'd be hanging out with some weirdos, you know, it could be, you know, you might need a courageous move. What does God want me to do? It could be join a group. It could be, you know, start giving financially. It could be start serving. I don't know what God would ask you to do, but I know that it would take a step of courage. It might need to develop this thing called courage in your life. The other one that we hit on was character. So we got to be stronger in character. And I wrote this word called fear up here. And I said, man, the, the thing that tries to get at your character is fear. Fear of either, you know, disappointing people, being looked over, passed over, fear of maybe just being judged at times, but our character has to trump that. Our character has to be the thing that holds strong. Our faith and our values and our morals gotta be those things that we hold on to, and I just, here's the question around this one. Who does God want me to be? If you can ask these two questions, God, what do you want me to do, and who do you want me to be? I guarantee this year, you'll get stronger in character. You'll get stronger in courage. Now today, as we wrap things up, if you're a note taker and you want to jot down the one fill in the blank that you have, today I want to get stronger in Christ. I want to get stronger in Christ. This is not a mistake that we've saved this one for the last week because quite honestly, this is the single most important thing that any of us could do in 2017. Get stronger in Christ. Another way of saying it, get stronger with Jesus. Jesus. I mean, just to be quite honest, my journey in life—I have done everything I could since taking a step over the faith line to ever increasingly get stronger in my relationship with Jesus. Jesus has single-handedly been the very best decision I could have ever made in my life. I mean, without Jesus in my life, just you know, this doesn't exist. I mean, I, I wouldn't have followed a prompting to start a church. Who does that, anyways? You know? But stronger in Christ. My family wouldn't be where it's at right now. I wouldn't be the husband I am today, and I'm not even that great at being a husband. I wouldn't be the dad I am today, but I'm not even that great at what. If I didn't have Christ in my life, I'm telling you what, my life would be miserable. And I know that to be true because the direction and the course that I was on prior to stepping over the faith line just was shortchanged. It was not the best life possible. So I'm just telling you what, maybe some of you are here today, you got invited by a friend, or maybe you took a shot and you said, you know, I haven't been to church for a long time, and I don't think it's a mistake, I don't think it's an accident that you showed up to the week that we said, you got to get stronger with Christ. you got to build this walk with Jesus in your life. And I'm telling you, it has been, like I said, the absolute most important best decision of my life. I cannot, I just, to be, I know you're going to be like, get over it, dude. But I cannot imagine my life without Jesus in it. I just can't. The the trials or the, the hard things that have come my way, I actually feel like I have some strength to get through those very things because of my faith in Christ, because of my walk with Jesus. Three verses that just come to my mind whenever I I think about my my life with Jesus. Um, If you want to jot these down as extra credit, you can. But one of them is Romans chapter 3, verses 22 and 24. It says this, we are made right with God. We're made right with God. Just that alone just blows my mind, that we can actually be made right. We're good with God. But how? How are you made right with God? By placing your faith in Jesus Christ. By putting your faith in him, not your faith in your money, not your faith in your job or your truck, you know, your F-250, not your faith in, like, your family. It's by putting your faith alone in Jesus Christ that you can be made right with Jesus. And I love this next part. This is true for everyone. This is true for everyone. This is not, you know, you know, just specific for white people in rural Iowa. This is true for everyone. Doesn't matter your social economic status. Doesn't matter your race, your skin color, your sexual preference. It is true for everyone. You can be made right with Christ if you were to put your faith and trust in him. He just loves you. And God sent him for you. It goes on to say this, this is true for everyone who believes no matter who we are. Friends, if you've ever, you know, wondered where we get this phrase around here, uh, I say it's kind of a vision that we've started this church with. It doesn't matter who you are, where you've been, what you've done, or what's been done to you. You know, (laughs) where do you get that idea from? Right in the pages of scripture. Jesus takes, you know, a scan of all of us, and he goes, Yep, I love each and every one of you. So much so that I'll come on a rescue mission for your life. And if you would take a step over the faith line and put your hope and trust and faith in me, I'll give you life to the fullest. I'll take the sin that's in your life and I'll separate it from you from as far as the east is from the west, the scriptures say. And I'll give you life. But it's not just for, you know, the select few. It's for Everyone. For everyone. It doesn't matter who you are, where you've been, what you've done, or what's been done to you, you're welcome. You're welcome just because that's God's heartbeat. So you might have had a bad last year. Let's get a little bit more. You might have had a bad decade. You know, you might have had some bad memories in college or last weekend or last night, for heaven's sakes, and you were dragged here and you're going, man, there's no way God could give me a shot. There's no way God has the time of day for me. And I would just if I could just tell you lovingly, I'd say, boy, don't let your pride hold you back from the very thing that God wants to do in you. Because he's made a way through Jesus Christ to allow us to be made right with God. Uh, if you've seen this before, you know, forgive me for maybe drawing a chart that you've seen. But uh, there's, a, there's a diagram that, that really kind of paints this picture as clear as I can think of. It's a diagram that looks like this. There's a chasm between us and God. And that chasm is our sin. It it holds us away from God. God is perfect. He's holy. He's he's all good. And he can't have sin in his presence. So so what does he do? Does he just go, well, sorry, you know, I, I can't deal with you. I can't really have a relationship with you. He says, no, 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 no. I will make a move on your behalf. The scripture says it this way. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. This is true for everyone. And so what he does is he sends Jesus on the cross to pay for our sins. To take him away. A real churchy word is as our atoning sacrifice. The very thing that will atone, it will remove, it will cleanse us of our sin. If we were to put our faith and trust and hope in Christ, we can be made right with God. And we can step over the faith line and now be with God. I'm telling you what, it is one of the single most special verses to me in all the Bible. That one verse. Another verse that just grabs my heart every time I hear about it is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. I mean, this one just blows me away. It says this, anyone who belongs to Christ, anyone who's stepped over the faith line, who's moved their hope into Jesus' hands, anyone, anyone who's done this, Says this, has become a new person. A new person. Says the old is gone and the new life has begun. I wonder how many of you wish that you could have a restart. I wonder how many of you would just go, man, I would do anything to just press the restart button in my life. Have a moment where I could say, God, I know the past and you fill in the blank has been just, it's just been yucky. But God, would you take me anew? Would you take me afresh? Would you forgive me, set me on a new track? And he does. This verse, friends, has been a life-changing verse for me. That God would take me, accept me right where I am, forgive me through what Jesus has done, and then give me the promise of a new life. The old is gone and the new come. And then maybe one other verse that, again, just grabs my heart every time I hear it is Jesus in John 10.10. He says, I have come. He says, I have come. I've actually came on this mission. I've came for you and for me, and I've came because of what God has, you know, called me to. But he's come for a reason, and the reason is this. I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. He's come. Not so that we would have some boring Christian life, some, like, safe, secure, you know, just, you know, bow tie life you know he's come so that we'd live life to the fullest that we'd have joy that we'd have hope that we'd have purpose in our life this is what makes me think church just you know church i go it has to be fun it has to be uplifting i mean the very purpose that we're gathering together cannot be a snooze fest because jesus said that he has come that we would have life and life to the fullest. And I'm just going, boy, what if we create a movement where people just look at us and go, sheesh, they just seem excited. They have hope. They have purpose in their life. And when we do that, I think other people will be attracted to it. But I'm just going to ask you another question. How many are you that are here that you would say, yeah, right now my life is full? I feel full. I feel like I'm alive. And I just have a hunch that maybe some of you are right now sitting in your chair going, you know what? I haven't felt alive. And you know what I mean by that. I I haven't felt a sense of purpose and meaning in my life for way too long. And I go, maybe today you're here for the very reason that you're supposed to get stronger with Christ. You're supposed to get stronger with Jesus. Now, I wonder, even with all that good stuff, even with those three verses that paint this picture here, I I just, it kind of baffles me that some people would still kind of put God off at arm's distance, that they would kind of still go, ah, you know, I'm not so sure about God. I don't know if I really want to let him in. It actually reminds me of this picture by Michelangelo, the Sistine Chapel. Now, forgive me for the nudity on the screen. I thought that was a little awkward, but it's kind of a famous photo, you know? Don't look too close. Um, But, good, I was hoping that you guys are alive. So, but this is, this is a famous painting by Michelangelo. I mean, this is, like, world-renowned. We've all seen this picture before, probably. The Sistine Chapel. And what it is, it's God—can you put it back up? It's God reaching out his hands. And he, it's almost like, if you see God, he's the bearded one. He's almost like there's an intensity about him. Just reaching out. He's driving forward. And you want to know what I just find hilarious about this picture? is you see man or Adam right here, kind of with this hand kind of draped, like, eh, you know, like, yeah, God, I see what you're doing, the intensity uh, behind you, but Adam's kind of like, eh, like, whatever, all right, you can take it off, because I would love to jump into that picture, put some boxers on that dude, eh, because I think it'd be a better picture if I didn't see the manhood all over the place, but Then I would love to just yell into the picture and go, Adam, are you kidding me? What is in front of you? What is reaching its hand out in front of you is the single best decision. It's the most life-giving, meaningful thing that you could have in your life ever. And you're giving him a eh back? And I want to go, are you serious? Look at you. Look at God, his relentless pursuit of you. And you go, eh, I just, I just drives me crazy. I just, I do not get it. But as I was getting ready for this weekend, I just kind of dawned on me that there's maybe two barriers that hold people back, that maybe cause people to do the eh, that type of response. I think there's maybe two barriers that kind of keep God at arm's length. If you want to jot these down, I know there's no fill in the blanks for you. But the first barrier is that people are unaware. People are just unaware. <laughs> One of the core values here at City Point is found people, find people. I'm not sure if you've heard me say this before, but there's 22,247 people in our county. 22,247 people in our county. It's our place. These are our people. And I'm telling you what, on a great Sunday, a killer Sunday, Christmas, Easter Sunday, There's not more than 4,000 people showing up to a church. And I'm going, you want to know why some people go, eh, to God? Because I think a lot of people are just unaware. They're not invited. They haven't been encouraged. They haven't been brought on somebody's shoulder going, you got to come with me to a life-giving, thriving church that will help you get stronger with Christ. I think some people are just unaware. Now, let me share with you a verse about this. I just think it's great. It says this in Romans 10. It says, how can they believe in Jesus if they've never heard about him? Or how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And then it goes on to say, how beautiful are the feet. I mean, you've got good-looking feet of the messengers who bring that good news. God's going, man, if you're a part of telling people about Jesus, you've got good-looking feet. And I'm like, all right, right on. He's going, if you're a part of found people, find people. Go on out and sharing the hope that Jesus has to offer for everyone. I mean, everyone. That's the best spot to be in. You're moving with God. Now, I think some people are just physically unaware. They haven't been invited or encouraged yet. But I think other people are just unaware of what would happen if they were to make that step. I think some people are just going, yeah, I'm not really sure what would happen to my life if I did take a step of faith, I'm just unaware. I don't really know. Like, am I going to start to float? Am I going to start to like, you know, I don't like, I don't know what people but I, I'm just unaware what will change in me. And can I just? I heard a story once. Uh, There's a pastor in Chicago had somebody come up to him after the service. It was a wife and and uh, her husband had just given his life to Christ. Just said, you know what, I've got to make a step over the faith line, and. The the pastor shares, he goes, man, this woman came up almost mad at me, like I had just done something bad to her husband, you know? And she comes storming up, and down in kind of the bullpen area, and and, uh, she goes, hey, my husband just gave his life to Christ. What's going to happen to him? You know, is he going to, like, quit his job and, you know, like, go to a mosque, you know, become a monk, and he just laughs. He goes, no, no. She goes, like, well, well, just tell me, like, what should I expect? And he goes, okay, I will. And he starts painting a picture that maybe her husband, if he hadn't been a man of integrity in the past, that with Christ, he's going to be prompted and encouraged to be a man of integrity now. He goes, tell me about your husband, you know, a couple years ago. Did he ever have anger stuff going on? And she goes, yeah, I think most guys do. And he said, well, just so you know, Jesus is going to probably encourage him to get that one figured out. He might be prompted to be a more loving, kind, gracious husband. He's going to love you more. He's going to love your kids more. He's going to work harder at work. That's what Christ's followers do. He's going to do everything in his life to become a better husband, a better dad, a better employee, just a better man of God. And he he describes her eyes going, are you serious, for real? Kind of like, maybe I could use some of that. And he goes... That's what's going to happen. She was just unaware. She had no clue. She thought something like crazy. He was going like, to start wearing Christian t-shirts or something like that. Like, oh man, are you serious? But his life was going to change for the better. And i am tell you what, some people are just unaware. The, the second barrier that I think people have is some people are just unwilling. It's a barrier of unwillingness. And what this one revolves around is an unwillingness to change a sinful lifestyle, or behavior that is just destructive, and it just holds people back. Kind of makes them go, eh, to God. And I'm telling you what, maybe you're here in the room, and you're going, yeah, you know what, I wouldn't want to admit that, you know, in front of anybody, but that is the very thing that holds me back from being stronger with Christ. It's a it's a choice that I continue to make time and time again. It's, a, it's an attitude, it's a behavior, it's, it's a sinful lifestyle, a pattern in my life that you know, God has asked me to do something with, but I just keep on shoving them to the side. It's just an eh type of thing. Reminds me actually of a video that I found on YouTube this last week. It's of a little boy named Mateo. Mateo is a three-year-old boy, and he desperately wants a cupcake. I mean, this kid is like all in for his cupcake. His mom has made it real clear you know apparent that he is not allowed to have any more cupcakes. I think it's probably almost dinner time. Check this video out and his relentless pursuit for the cupcake. Listen, <laughs> you. Listen, listen, listen. Okay, what everything they do at this house, they can't touch everything at Grandma's house. Okay, okay, then what? <laughs> listen, listen to me. You're not to me. <laughs> I asked you not to do something. Linda, but listen to me. If we do something, if you get that out, that thing off, they can break it. Okay, but I'm asking, I'm letting you know. No, Linda, I'm. Li- lick it, lick it. You're not listening to me. Linda, listen to me now. Lick it, lick listen to me listen now. To me, to no, you're not listening. I said no cupcakes, and you try to get cupcakes, and you try to ask Grandma. He's your little ups but he doesn't listen. But Linda, honey. honey, honey. <laughs> I love that. Isn't that great? Can we give it up for Mateo? Yeah. Like, this kid has been on like every talk show now in America for this thing. Like, you'd want to kill that kid, wouldn't you? Like, imagine my like four girls. But, Daddy, listen, or worse, calling me Tony. Hey, Tony. I'm like, no, I'm your dad. All right. Just, I love that video, but it reminds me of Adam. It reminds me of man in that picture going, God, I know you want me to change an area, but eh, listen to me, actually. I, I want to hold on to this. Hey, God, I know there's some things in my life that that, that you want me to experience, but listen, I got other plans. I got some other things that I want to participate in. It's almost like in that video he was going, hey, I hear you, I hear you. I see your pursuit of me, but you know what? Just stay a little bit more away. I got my own plans, my own agenda. I'm unwilling. And again, I think it's a barrier that some of us hold on to. Maybe we're unaware, others of us are just unwilling, but I'm telling you what, those two barriers hold a lot of people back from just saying, God, you're the absolute best decision I could ever make for my own life. You're the absolute most critical decision I have to make for my own life. God, I, if without you, I am on my own, I am hopeless, full of sin, and someday I'll face eternity without you. And God's going, would you just accept my love? Would you just accept my relentless pursuit for you, for life to the full, for hope from your sin? And I'm telling you what, for the rest of the morning, I want to share with you just uh, what are four reasons why you have to get stronger with Christ? I mean, for some of us, maybe to to counter-set the barriers, I would love to paint a picture, even in addition to the very fact that if you don't have Christ, you don't get heaven. Four additional, you know, just amazing truths found in Colossians chapter 3 that I just go, no way, what Jesus offers is literally incredible. So if you want to write these things down, I think these are four things that Jesus does for us. If we let him in, if we allow Jesus to come and we get stronger, or we get, you know, we start a relationship with Jesus. The first thing that Jesus does is he gives us heaven vision. Heaven vision, and some of you are like, you lost me, dude. Heaven vision, what are you talking about? But I'm telling you what, when you step over the faith line, when you're with God, there's now a different perspective you have on life. There's there's a different thought process you have when you're on God's side. When you've stepped over the faith line, you've moved from being all consumed about yourself and and all kind of, you know, focused in on who you are and making yourself more and more. When you're over the faith line, when you've seen the forgiveness of your sins, when you've experienced the hope and the joy and the life found in God and Christ, it changes your perspective. You're now able to see the very things around you and go, you know what? I know that's not good for me. I know what I have in in God and in Christ, is so much better. It changes my perspective. I see differently. Others of you uh, who have had this step of faith, you go, it's not only changed my, you know, my perspective, but it's changed my thoughts. I don't think differently. I have a purpose. When I see somebody who's hurting, I don't just you know, brush them off like a loser. I go, man, I gotta make an impact. I have to step in and see if God would just use me. Jesus, he gives us something that I'm calling heaven vision. We see things differently when we have Christ. Here's what Corinthians says about this. It says this in chapter 3, verse 1. It says, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, since you have stepped over the faith line is what this is saying. He says, set your sights. Set your sights on things or on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. I love that. You've got to have some new vision is what it's saying. Then it goes on to say this in verse 2. It says, think about the things of heaven, not just earthly things. Don't just think about those things. Those are things of the earth. You are now with heaven vision. Reminds me, two weeks ago, my wife came home with this bad boy. And if you're going, wait, 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 you have a five-year-old, a three-year-old, a two-year-old, and kind of like a newborn-ish, eight months, and she just bought you this thing. And I'm asking the same question, just so you know, why do we need one of these now? You know, like, we were just getting done with the baby monitors, if you can't see what this is. But it came home, and she goes, oh, but this one's so cool. And I'm like, I don't care how cool it is, man. But, like, she goes, no, no, no let me tell you about it. It has night vision. I'm like, why would I want to see him at night? I just saw him all afternoon. Like. And she goes, no, no, no. And we're doing this sleep training thing and trying to whatever. And, and, uh, but it's kind of cool, just to be honest because you can stay up from 2 to 3 a.m. now watching your kid in the night instead of just hearing them, you know? And, but, but what it does, it's got this infrared vision thing on here, and some of you have it. If you're a newer parent, you definitely have them. I, I, I was actually talking to somebody in my office this last week who's a few years older, than me. she goes, oh my word, I cannot believe your generation. You guys are idiots. <laughs> like, who would want that? But I'm telling you what, this thing, y- you set it up in the room, and And you turn off the lights and it just clicks on. And you see, and it's incredible, and it's black and white, but it's awesome. You can see their movement and all this stuff. It gave me a new perspective. I can now see what's driving my kid crazy in the middle of the night. I see how hot or cold the room is. And it's just kind of reminded, when you step over the faith line, you get to see things differently. You get to experience life differently. Some of you are still living on this side, and you have no idea how good it would be to have heaven vision. Were you able to see life and go, you know what? It's not all about the here and the now. It's about later. It's about who I am with God in eternity. Heaven vision changes everything. Changes everything. The second thing that Jesus gives us is not just heaven vision, but he gives us new clothes. He gives us new clothes. Now, I almost, like, debated wording it like that because somebody would be like, seriously, I'll sign up. You know, like, I could use some new clothes. And you know, Hook me up, man. It's not exactly what you think. It's not like a Von Mar gift card. Uh, that's all I got because I had just been married to, you know, a girl and have girls. It's not like, you know, like J. Crew, Those. It, it's like you're not going to get a gift card to go and get new clothes. But what it is, it's this symbolic meaning found in Colossians. Then when you have Jesus in your life, he says, you know what? If you've been, you've been wearing some clothes that you need to get rid of, strip off, and you need to try on some new clothes. What he actually means is summed up in a few verses here. He says, you know what? If you've got the clothes of anger and rage and sexual immorality and lust and greed and jealousy, he's going, it's time for you to get rid of those clothes. Strip those bad boys off. Jesus has some new clothes for you. He wants you to wear and sport and strut your stuff in some clothes that give him some glory now. And put him first. Listen to what it actually says in verse 9. It says, you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. I love this. This is put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. Verse 12 literally says this. Clothe yourself. With these things, with tender heart and mercy. Try that one on. Once you clothe yourself with kindness and humility, once you clothe yourself with gentleness, wouldn't that be great? Or clothe yourself with patience. This is above all, above all, clothe yourself with love. Put that one on. It actually reminded me of going and doing weddings. This is my, my wedding. Uh, if I'm ever doing a wedding or a funeral, it makes it a lot better if I talk about weddings. But if I do a wedding, I, I wear this jacket. I, I'll slip this one on, and I'll actually feel like, you know what, I'm putting on the love jacket. And just, you know, I wear this thing, and Carrie doesn't see me in this very often, and she's like, yeah, is, let's come on. You know, this is the love jacket. It feels good. And some of you could use this jacket some of you in your lives, you haven't experienced love for far too long. And if I could just speak as if I was Jesus telling you, he would say, you know what you could do? Strip off some of the old stuff. and Would you try on the love jacket? Just try. Just see what it's like if you have my love in you, and you're wearing this, and you're living life. I think if you do it, is what he'd say, You'd experience life to the full. Some of you could use this bad boy. You could use this guy. (laughs) Now, I know if you can't see it, it's a Tony Romo jersey, and some of you are like, yeah, that's obsolete now. Well, this is going to be vintage soon and hard to get, okay? But I'm telling you what, this is maybe the jersey of commitment. The jersey of commitment. And even though there's some hard times, even though there's some tough stuff, you want to know what? I still wear this jersey. I'm going to wear it on Super Bowl Sunday. I'm going to wear this thing. Why? Because I'm committed. Some of you could strip off maybe a pair of clothes that are, you know, just half-hearted when it comes to your commitment to your family or your commitment to Christ or your commitment to your spouse. You go, I'm going to put on a jersey of commitment. But there's other ones. This one is, uh, I found this. This is a, another church up north that has this, one of the same core values as us found people, find people. This is maybe a t shirt of purpose. You go, man, you know what I need to strip off? I need to strip off maybe this feeling in my life that goes, I, I have no value. And you need to put on a t-shirt of purpose. You need to say, you know what, my life does have purpose. And Jesus would go, you know what I want for you? I want you to strip off the old and put on the new. I want you to take off the stuff that's been no good for your life. You've got to get stronger in Christ and put on something new. Last maybe illustration on those. You know what these bad boys are? These are my old loafers, man. Check this out. You know, like, that's pretty old. Look at that. I, like, used to, like, make, you know, talking faces with my kids. You're going, why do you have those? Uh, my wife asks me this question all the time. You know why she asked me? Because she bought me a brand new pair. Same shoe, you can't barely tell, but a brand new pair. And you want to know how dumb I am? I hold on to the old pair. I actually hold on to these. And she'll ask me about every once in a while when she's cleaning out my closet, she'll go, what are you doing holding on to the old shoes? And I go, I don't know, I might like, mow with these things. You know, like, I don't know. I might do like a you know, show or something. And she's like, throw those things away. And I wonder if you're here in the room and you're going, the very message you need to hear is some of you are holding on to old clothes. The very thing that is bogging you down. And Jesus is going, I will make you New. I got new clothes for you. If you would just say yes to me, take a step over the faith line, I'm telling you what, I got new clothes. Would you strip off the old and put on the new? Big question here is what clothes do you need to get rid of? And which ones do you need to start putting on? It's a question maybe for you and God to have, but Jesus gives us new clothes. The third thing that Jesus gives us is peaceful hearts. He gives us peaceful hearts telling you what friends he gives us peaceful hearts in colossians it says this and let the peace that comes from christ rule in your hearts let him rule in your hearts i just i wonder how many of your hearts right now would be described as peaceful where you'd be able to say yeah you know what my heart is just at peace i have a peace in my heart how do you know? How do you know if your heart is full of peace? Well, uh, the other day, we uh, went to my oldest daughter, Micah's, uh, conferences. They're really kind of hilarious. They're preschool conferences, and, and, uh, we sat down with her preschool teacher, and, and she walked through, like, some things, like, is your kid writing her name right, and is she interacting with the boys and, or the girls, and, and actually, that, that one was hilarious. She was like, yeah, the boys drive her crazy. I'm like, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You know, and, and I'm like, yes, I don't care about anything else you just told me. She hates boys. Great. Okay, and, uh, But I'm telling you what, you want to know what it reminded me of? Junior high and high school. I I would get this thing in the mail, and I would be so afraid to show it to my parents, and what was on it was my grade point average. My grade point. I hated showing them that. Because more than likely, it meant that I was going to get in trouble or get grounded or have to give my keys away for, you know, the better part of a week. And it just drove me nuts. But as I was thinking about this peaceful heart stuff, it just dawned on me that maybe some of us, we don't need a grade point average. We need to assess our our general peace average. How are we doing in our hearts? I mean, are, are you doing okay? Is there, is there some areas in your hearts that maybe are not so good? Could you get dialed in on them? Later this week, I'll put a post up on social media that'll show you how you can maybe assess your, your, your heart. But I'm telling you what, I want to get on to number four and get you out on this stuff. The last thing that Jesus gives us is full lives. He gives us full lives. Uh, I think some of us have been doing life you know not at full capacity and he has something so much more to offer so much joy and so much purpose and hope to offer than maybe what we've settled into Uh, i'll read this last part of this passage it says this and let the message about christ in all its richness fill your lives Would you let that stuff fill your lives? If I can remind you, John 10, 10, it says this, I have come, Jesus has come, that you may have life and that you'd have it to the full, that you'd have it to the absolute full, that you wouldn't miss out on anything that Jesus has to offer because him alone fills your life. He does. So friends, let me just remind you of this story of the the woman who came up to the pastor. She comes up to him and goes, hey, what's gonna happen to my husband? He's just given his life to Christ. I mean, what's going to happen to him? Is he going to become all weird now? And in essence, that pastor said, you know what? His life's going to be full. He's going to experience a full life. He's going to have forgiveness of his sins. He's going to have purpose. He's going to have joy and hope. And I wonder if you're here right now and you could say that you have those things. I wonder if you're here and you'd go, you know what? If I were to survey my life right now, is my life full? Do I have a peaceful heart? Do I have new clothes? Do I have a vision and a perspective on life that would just make God happy? Maybe you're here in the room and and in moving from a position of eh towards God you would reach out your hand this way and go God if you would just have me God I would take a step of faith and put my life and my trust and my hope in your hands friends it's the single best decision I've ever made in my life the absolute best decision when I said it cannot be about me anymore it's got to be about Jesus it's gotta be about what God has for me. Friends, again, I'll just. It's about making a step of faith, saying, God, I, I'm gonna move from trusting in my own abilities and my own hope and my own self righteousness and the things that I do, and, and I'm gonna say, God, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a step of faith. I might not understand it all, but I'm gonna put my hope and trust and faith in the forgiveness that you can take me right where I am and you can love me and you can move me forward it's a step of faith friends if you want to stand and sing with me I want to sing a song that I think will put an exclamation point on this message and I think it'll be just a moment that God wants to have with each and every one of you I want to pray and then we'll sing it out and then I'll have a final thought as we wrap things up Jesus thank you so much for today, God, my prayer in this room right now is that those of us who need to make that move, need to have that step, would do it. That in this song where it talks about deciding to follow after Jesus, that you would just move in hearts even right now. Fill us up. Speak to our hearts, we pray this in your name, amen.